0: What is God asking of you? What does the Bible say about his expectations? In this season of Fast, Pray, Do, we'll dig deeper into God's word and learn how we can live beyond ourselves and truly live out the calling of the Lord. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Morning, church. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, we are in our season of fasting. I hope and pray that your fast is going well, uh, but I also pray that it's been a challenge as fasting should be a challenge as we're denying our physical flesh, we're denying our cravings so that we can grow in our spiritual relationship with Christ. So I hope that has been a challenge for you. So a couple of things, uh, I I promise, uh, but it probably won't happen to stop doing Announcements. I just continue to get worse and worse up there with, with the jokes. I know, I know it's, it's lame, uh, but you'll see me up there more and more. Now, here's, here's something I do love. I love greeting. And when I said good morning when I come up here, that's probably the second time I've said good morning to you because I've got my little spot out in the lobby. And because I, I genuinely love people, I, I do. And, and that's why... I go out there, and I shake hands and say, uh, good morning. Well, what's interesting is some of you try to dodge me. <laughs> you, you know who you are. You come through the doors. You see me. You're like, oh, man, I'm, just, I'm not in the mood for Blake today. I don't want to shake his hand. So your head goes down. You veer left. I get you, though. I get you, don't I? I come in there, and I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. You can't escape me. Now, some of you get by, some of you get by me, but I remember, I remember who gets by. So I'll make sure to get you next week. So I love, I love greeting. Um, God is good. There's such joy in what he gives us. So the title today of the message is, Do You Even Care? And that's a good question for all of us to to ask ourselves is, do we even care? About what, about whatever. Do you even care? And it's tied in with our our season of of fasting. Uh, Nathan has been talking about our our mission statement, uh, which is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ through intentionally serving, giving, and caring for our neighbor. First two weeks, Nathan talked about serving and giving, and I'll be talking about caring for our neighbor, and hopefully we'll, we'll tie it in to how that looks with prayer and, and fasting. Fasting has been a part of my life for about five years now, and someone introduced it to me, but before then, fasting wasn't even something that, that I thought about. Uh, to me, it was Maybe Old Testament really didn't apply uh, to me, but I was introduced to it, uh, did my first fast about five years ago, and saw immediate transformation, saw immediate change, and saw immediate power in that. So today I hope that we'll be able to see caring for our neighbor through prayer and fasting will bring light, light to it in a whole new way. See when Nathan talked about serving and giving these, these prior two weeks, he introduced this spirit of unbelief and the power that it has over us. See, it's this spirit of unbelief that prevents us from thinking that that we have the resources to serve, give, and care for our neighbor. We tell ourselves, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money to give. I don't have the talents. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have any of that. That spirit of unbelief. And we all have it. I have it. We, we are riddled with this unbelief. See, we, we believe in God. I believe in God, but yet I have this unbelief that He's not going to come through in my life. So today Christ is going to give us this prescription, the medicine to remove this spirit, this sickness of unbelief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, thank you. You you are so great, God. You are so mighty. You are King of Kings. Father, we all, we all have this spirit that doesn't come from you, that comes from the enemy of this this unbelief, God. Father, I pray today, God, I pray for your word. God, show us. Show us how to remove this spirit of unbelief so we can operate like we've never operated before. God, that the Holy Spirit will guide us when we serve and give and care for our neighbor. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we are in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. Some manuscripts have that in, some don't. That is the word of the Lord today. I want to go back to verse 19 and focus on a few of those here. Jesus says, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I stay with you? He's annoyed, right? He's annoyed to the point where he asks multiple questions, being condescending to this man and to the crowd. I imagine he, he's probably just got his eyebrow raised. He's, he's on his knees, just shaking his head, just going, Oh, my gosh, you people. You people suck so bad. Like, what is wrong with you. Jesus didn't say that. We say things like that, but that's what he's thinking. He's so annoyed right here. And finally, after he displays how annoyed he is, he says, okay, bring him to me. Bring the boy to me. So they did, and the boy convulsed. He seized. So so Jesus asked in verse 21, he says to the father, how long has he been like this? Question, who, who else talks like that? Who, who asked you a question, how long have you been like this? A doctor, right? That's how a doctor talks. When you bring your, your child in, you, you give, give the doctor the symptoms, and the doctor says, how long have you been like this? Or how long has your child been like this? And you say, well, again, since he turned two years old, he throws himself on the ground. He begins to cry and scream and throw a fit and kick me and do all of these things every time I say no. And the doctor says, he's two? Well, enjoy another 16 years of that. And at the age of 18, They'll cry and scream and throw a fit one more time until you give them money, then they'll just leave. Then they'll, then they'll just leave. No, but that's what we do. We, we take our child to the doctor. You go to the doctor and you give your doctor your symptoms and the doctor says, how long have you been like this? So Jesus here is acting like a doctor. He's speaking like a doctor. And that's interesting. And we'll see later why, why he's talking like this because he's in this dialogue, when he could have immediately just healed the boy, he begins to assess and diagnose and have this conversation. So we will see later the prescription that God is writing us. So he continues on, the father answers to the question, how long has he been like this? The dad says, from childhood. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And that's usually how we respond to the doctor. Doctor, if there is anything that you can do, please help my child. Jesus being God, he's offended by this comment. He probably jumps back and is like, if, if I can do anything, if I can do anything, He looks at the father and he says, if you can, if you can do anything, everything is possible for him who believes. Now, here's what's interesting. In verse 24, the father immediately flips his position. See, in verse 22, he says, God, if, if Jesus, if you can do anything, he flips his position. He says, I do believe that you can do something. Now help me overcome my unbelief. We believe in God, but the spirit of unbelief holds us back. Remember from last week, Nathan defined this, this unbelief. And it's not a lack of evidence that, that God doesn't exist or exists, it's a force in your heart and in my heart that makes us recoil, jump back at the message of Jesus. It's this unbelief that that God can't fix my marriage, that He can't heal my sickness, that He can't take away my addictions, that God can't change the heart of my neighbor so that's why we don't care. Why, why should we care? If we have this belief that God can't come through, why should we care? Why, why should we pray? See, I recoil at the thought of laying hands on, on the sick for fear that it won't work. Or if, if God gives us a word for, for the cashier that's been working all day and there's a long line We recoil, and out of fear, we don't give them that word because we might get embarrassed or we might offend that person because the message that Jesus gives us is a tough message. We believe, but the thought of that tough message brings about this unbelief, and we jump back and we recoil at the thought of doing those things. So why should I care? Why should I pray? Because God God doesn't hear my prayers. We often think that. God doesn't hear my prayers. He's got more important matters than than my prayers. I believe God hears my prayers. And I have a story to to, to share. I have a, a Tuesday morning men's coffee group and we meet five thirty uh, to seven thirty in the morning every Tuesday. About two months ago, one of our brothers came in and he was visibly upset. He w- he was distraught and we immediately recognized it and we got our coffee we, we went to go sit down and we we let him share. We let him share. We said, Brother, what's going on? You're upset. And he goes on to share about his, his best friend who went into heart surgery and it didn't go well, and he is now on life support, and the outlook is not good. That he's been talking with his best friend's wife, and her and the doctors are even talking about that they might have to pull the plug. That there is no life left in him, And we're consoling him, but there's something more there's something more. He's still upset. He can't can't come to terms with something, and and I recognize it, and I say, brother, does, does your friend know the Lord? And he shakes his head, no, he doesn't. He doesn't know the Lord. He's on life support, and it's looking like it's the end. Wow. And he's got this regret because I've been best friends with him for, for 10 years and I've never shared the gospel with him, not once. And I explained to him, I said, sometimes, sometimes the hardest people to share the gospel with are the ones that are closest to us. The ones we're most intimate with are the hardest ones to talk to about Jesus because they know you. And you try to talk to them about Jesus, especially if they don't know the Lord, they kind of raise their eyebrow, and they're like, you're talking to me about Jesus? I, I know your lifestyle. And their friendship was, was born um, in a way that the foundation wasn't faith, but our brother had, had come to Christ, and now his best friend was on life support, didn't know God. I'm like, God, give me a word. Father, give me a word. And he did. And I said, brother, let's pray. Let's pray. There were about six of us, and we began to pray. And God, show me how to pray. We didn't pray for, for healing or recovery or for him to live through this. We specifically asked for his best friend to wake up so that someone could share the gospel. And by that someone, I meant our brother that was sitting in that circle right there. And we prayed that over and over again. And over for about 10 to 15 minutes. Father, wake him up so our brother can call him and share the gospel. Coffee ended about 7.30. And I get a text about 8.15 from our brother. And the text says, he's awake. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked because of my unbelief. Now, in that prayer, I, I fully believed. I fully believed so I call him I'm like dude that is praise God that is awesome you know what you got to do now right what, uh, no what I'm like well you got to call him you have to call him right now huh okay and he was a little tentative he was a little scared and I said it's all right man I said he's your best friend he's like what do I do what do I say to him Ask him permission if you can share your heart. He's your best friend, right? What would he say? He'd say yes. Then just do that. So he calls him up, shares his heart. Day later, my brother here calls me. He says, okay, we we had a conversation, but he didn't accept Christ, but based on, on, on who he is, I want to give him the book, The Case for Christ. All right, send it to him. Send it to him his best friend calls him back a few days later, had read the book and says, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> but he says, I don't want to go to church. I don't, I don't like church people. <laughs> don't make me do that. And, and, and we're like, you ain't got to, man. You, <laughs> you've accepted Christ. Let's start there. A couple weeks pass by, he, call, he calls our brother here back, and he, and he says, I want to find a church. I'm like, what? Okay. And he has another question for, for our brother here. He says, what time were you guys praying in your coffee group? So our brother comes here one Sunday morning, and he presents that to me. He says, hey, when, when were we praying on that Tuesday morning. I was like, well, we got a coffee, we sat down, you shared. Um, so we, we were all praying uh, at 5.45-ish, 5.45-ish. Okay, he says, well, he woke up at 7.42 Eastern time, which would have been 5.42 here. I'm like, yeah, we were praying at 5.42 for him to wake up, absolutely. See, God is powerful. He can do mighty things through prayer. We just have to remove this unbelief. So Jesus heals the boy, and in verse 28, after they've gone inside, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind And I want to stop right there, this kind. What is Jesus referring to? He's referring to the spirit. This kind of spirit can only come out by prayer and fasting. Is he referring to that evil spirit that had possessed the boy? He's not. He's not. He's not saying that this was some sort of super spirit, that just saying the name of Jesus isn't enough, that you... Have to go into prayer and spend time in undivided attention and fasting with God, then that super spirit that has really big muscles will come out. He's not talking about that spirit, he's talking about the spirit of unbelief that the Father had and that we have. This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. So he healed the boy, but he's giving us a prescription. He gave us this solution to this spirit of unbelief. But you see, when when we go into to a fast, and, and a fast is emptying yourself, denying your flesh, denying your cravings, you're fully empty, so you can only be filled by his spirit. And in that you grow closer to God. You see, then you have to be listening. See, in that time of rest, through prayer and fasting, you then have to, to listen to what God has for you. A few months ago, Nathan did an exercise here in, in the church, and he asked all of us for a few minutes to just stop and listen, not pray, but listen. I don't know if any of you remember that. And during that time, he just wanted us to hear from the Lord and see what God had for us. And, and Nathan admitted that times when he goes into a time of listening, that, that all these crazy thoughts will, will come into his mind, the busyness of our lives overtake, and we soon find ourselves distracted and thinking about something completely different. So I tried it. So I, I, was, I was sitting, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do this. And lower my head, like, okay, God, I'm listening. And about... 20 seconds later, I was thinking about being at Chase Field. I was playing a game for the D-backs, and I just hit a home run, and I was rounding the bases in a tank, and I was shooting the tank and waving to the crowd, and everyone was cheering, and all of a sudden, I like, hit myself in the head. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't even focus. What is wrong with me? Father, help me. So I paused, Father, slow down my thoughts. Take away these distractions. I just want to listen to you. Father, I want a word from you right now. And he did. God God came through and he gave the word help. I'm like, okay, absolutely help. But he showed me moving forward to help in a completely different way. And he showed me this way to help through a scene in in a movie. I don't know if um, any of you have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Great movie. Uh, It's a, a movie about war. A man who, with his Christian beliefs, was so convicted that he wouldn't take a gun into battle. That he wanted to be a medic and save lives, but he would not carry a gun. So he was in the army. He got made fun of in boot camp, uh, he was beat up. He was even court-martialed, but he, he got through it all, and he was allowed to go into battle without a gun. Now, no one else in his regiment wanted to be next to him. <laughs> they said, "Stay away from, stay away from me." But he went, and on the second day of of, of battle, uh, they're getting beat, so they call in this airstrike, and the U.S launches the missiles, and they just start to light up the entire battlefield so the Americans uh, retreat so they don't get hit. They get to the, the ridge, the cliff, and they all go down. Everyone that was alive and well went down. But Private Doss stayed because a friend that he had just made the night before in a foxhole, he had this one breakthrough, was shot and killed. And he dragged him, got to the edge of the cliff to get him down, sees that he's dead. He falls back. And he says, God, what do you want from me? I don't understand. I can't hear you. And what's the next thing that happens? A wounded out in the battlefield screams out, help. A second later, screams out, help. Private Doss says, okay, okay, Father, I'll help. But this help required him to go back into the battlefield where there's the enemy as well as the U.S. still sending missiles in an airstrike. He finds the man, brings him back, ties a rope around him, and and lowers him down the ridge. He goes back, grabs another and another and another. And in that scene, he gets to a point where he can't walk, he can't breathe, he can't move, and he just says, Father, help me get one more. He gets one more. He cared in such a way that he even lowered the enemy down the ridge. He even lowered a few Japanese off that ridge, and he just continued to help and help and help. See, do we care enough to help in that kind of way. So this medicine, this prayer and fasting, in the account of Matthew, Jesus goes on to say to his disciples in chapter 17, verse 20, when they asked, why couldn't we drive out the demon? He goes on to say, because you have so little faith unbelief. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move nothing will be impossible for you. This is so beautiful. This is so powerful. But first, let's understand what a mustard seed is. See, a mustard seed is the smallest of seeds, the smallest of seeds. But when placed in proper conditions, it will grow to be the biggest plant in the garden. It'll overshadow the, the tomatoes and the potatoes and the carrots and, and everything else. It'll be the biggest plant in the garden. But it started out as the smallest seed, but placed in proper conditions. So you, me, this unbelieving generation, with faith so little, the size of a mustard seed, if, if we're placed in, in proper conditions... And these proper conditions are prayer and fasting. See, Christ says this unbelief will be removed and that will become so close to God that He will, will reveal things to us that we see, seemed and thought were impossible. These mountains that are in our life that we've been trying to climb year after year after year, and that we can't get over and we have this unbelief that God's not going to remove it. But this little faith that we have in proper conditions, prayer and fasting, will explode and there will be no room for unbelief and we'll just say to that mountain, move and God will move it. Whether it's an addiction in your life, drugs, alcohol, idols, anger will disappear that tumor will start to shrink. Your anxiety over finances will cease because you'll have this belief that God will come through and there won't be this unbelief. We all have mountains in our life. The last few months, uh, I've, been pray- uh, I've been praying and fasting, fasting for the last five years, but the past few months, God has brought fasting into a new light for me. Many times fasting would just be a checklist for me. I would approach a fast and just, ah, uh, okay, um, chocolate, uh, coffee, not put much thought and prayer into it. But God, in November, back in November, started calling me into uh, a fast from, from food and just water. And he said, a fast before the fast. I said, wait, God, you're, you're kind of moving fast. Slow down. God, slow slow down a little bit. It's it's November. You know this, right? We got we got Thanksgiving, we got Christmas, and we got pecan pie, pumpkin pie, chocolate pie, lemon pie. We we've got all these pies. So I I think I started to negotiate with God. I said, God, what about after the holidays and in the new year? I'll go into this fast before the fast and. Um, I think he said, okay. Um, I, think, I think so. I, I, I think so. And that's what I did. January 2nd, he, he convicted me, and I, I, I went into a, a fast. And it was the most amazing fast that, I, that I've ever participated in in my entire life. It lasted two days. On the third day, uh, the kids had gone to school. My wife was gone, so I was in the house alone. And and I just sat there and I said god i'm I'm listening. You called me into this i'm I'm listening. And he started to to speak and he began to reveal things in my life that I was unaware of mountains and idols and and I ran. I ran to a a notebook. I don't journal, I don't write. Um, it, you're supposed to when you fast, but I, I don't ever journal or write things down. I ran to a notebook and found a three three ring spiral ugly yellow notebook and just started to write just pages of stuff that God was was showing me. He showed me the mountains in my life and and what I had prepared to fast for in these 3 weeks. I crumpled that up and threw it out. God showed me something different. He said you don't need to fast from chocolate or coffee. Here's the mountains that are in your life. Here's the things where you have unbelief. Pray and fast over this. allow me to work. Watch me work. And I did. I've seen breakthrough. Some of you know this. Uh, I'm part of a ministry called Paladin Sports Outreach, and, and myself and a brother, Ty, have been partnered in this outreach for six or seven years, side by side. And the past few years, a few years ago, God called us uh, into an expansion of this ministry, that this ministry would go beyond just Santan Valley. And it kind of blew me away, and I just, again, my unbelief was, God, I don't have the time, the resources, or the knowledge to do something like this. And for years, myself and Ty would just have conversations. We even sought an advice of a lawyer, just all these different things on how to expand within the little time and that we have. And God showed me, he's like, will you please take this to prayer and fasting. You've been trying to climb this mountain. Can I just move it for you? So that's been part of my prayer and and fast. And two days later, I had a breakfast with Ty. And I had shared with him at the men's retreat that I had this vision that we would be on an airplane just sharing this story about this ministry, about this outreach. And that that was it. But I just shared that with him. So two days after I began to, to pray and fast over this mountain, as well as many others, we sit down on a breakfast and Ty says, are you ready for your vision to come true? And what are you talking about? He's like, we're going to be on a plane in March to share our story with Paladin to several churches and sites in Minnesota and then Oregon and then more here in Arizona. So two days breakthrough on a mountain that that seemed impossible for me it seemed impossible and God came through God came through so the the question was do you even care do you do you even care What, what are the things in your life that that you care about a, a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, your marriage, your health, your finances. What are the things you care about that you've been hammering away year after year after year? This year's going to be different. This year's going to be different. It's the same old thing. So, this spirit of unbelief comes in when, when those addictions aren't removed, when your marriage isn't healed. When your finances stay the same or get worse, your unbelief grows. See whatever whatever that mountain is, whatever that mountain is in your life and if you're thinking about it right now. If you care enough about it, you'll go into a season of prayer. You'll give God your undivided attention. So you'll go into a season of fasting so that you empty yourself, so that you deny your cravings, that you deny your flesh. You grow in the spirit, just like that mustard seed. And you become the tallest plant in the garden. And instead of operating below the clouds, you're now above the clouds. And you look down on that mountain and you tell that mountain, move. You tell that mountain to move. We're going to close with communion and, and worship Here in just a bit. But the past few weeks, we've taken a few minutes before communion, so I want to invite the the prayer partners forward because they want to pray with you. So, the things that you recognize and you're aware of, this unbelief that you have in your life, be bold. Come to the front. Ask for prayer. Ask that your unbelief is removed. So I just want to spend a few minutes. Let's just be quiet. Let's listen. And if you want prayer, come forward and receive prayer. Jesus was betrayed he took the bread he broke it and he said eat this in remembrance of me he did the same with the cup he took the cup he looked at his disciples and he said drink drink in remembrance of me let's pray then come forward heavenly father thank you God. God thank you father these mountains that I have in my life father move these mountains Father God whatever it is whatever seems impossible in our lives Father God I pray that, that we rest and during that rest we go into prayer and fasting Father reveal Father we ask for revelation God sometimes we're not even aware of the darkness that we have Father. God reveal to us Build to us this mountain, this spirit of unbelief that we have, Father. God, so that we can remove it, so that we can remove this spirit of unbelief in the name of Jesus.